Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. Today's guest is Namdi Olufami Bryant, a singer and podcast host. This man is a lover of a type of music you don't always see nowadays, acapella music. Oh my gosh, I love acapella music. That's what his podcast is about. It's called For the Love of Acapella. He's also a songwriter who has released a number of projects. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We'll talk about his latest one during our conversation. So Nandi and I have been talking about doing a podcast together for months. And I saw on social media, Instagram, I think, that he was in the D.C. area, actually D.C. proper. And I said to myself, girl, you got to make this happen. See if we'll have some time to chat. And, you know, I gave him a call and it all worked out. So we met up at the mansion on O Street in Washington. D.C. It's a tourist destination, lovely place where Namdi sometimes performs. The mansion is located just off the bustling DuPont Circle. Well, let's not delay. Let's get right to the conversation. We start talking about his podcast for the love of acapella and where he got the idea. Here's Namdi Bryant on Planet Now. That started with a gentleman that you know. I'm sorry, the idea came from a gentleman that you know. Dana Winston. Oh, how Dana, did Dana talked me into having a podcast. I fought it for at least a year. I said, no, I don't even know what that means. I don't want to do it. I don't want that responsibility of having to do one every week. And he talked me into it, and it's a success. And I love it. It's a ministry that I thought I'd never have. How so? Either well, that you thought you never had, or it's it's does, does it surprise you? Does its success surprise you? Kinda. And the reason why there's one pastor I met, and he said, "You know, you 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 a preacher." And I said, "Oh no, I'm not." He said, "I didn't say a pastor. I said a preacher." And I said, "Well, what makes you say that?" He said, "You'll understand better by and by." And <laughs> that's a song. <laughs> yeah. And I said, "What is he talking about?" And it wasn't until years down the line when wow when my wife and I were when our marriage was a little rocky and if you if you pay attention if you listen to episodes from the summer months of 2017 all the way to probably February March 2018 you will hear the struggle the fight the fight for victory and it was from those episodes. Every now and again, I would get a call from South Africa, from all over the world. Hey, your testimony got me through. And I said, wait a minute. He didn't, he didn't mention anything about the playlist. It was the testimony at the end. I'd give a little monologue for about maybe two, three-minute monologue after every episode. And what was that testimony, if you don't mind? Whoa. Um, um, there's one that's called Fight On. And it was in those moments where I realized that sometimes it's your fault and learn to listen to understand. Don't listen so your spouse can finish and then you can shut her up or him up. Listen to what they're saying to understand where they're coming from. And that way you can better communicate. You can, you can see her point of view or his point of view and you work from that. And I think once you build on that, uh, it just makes life much easier. 
instead of just trying to be right and just point out their faults. And when you do that, that's all you're doing is just pointing out their faults and nothing gets resolved. So you fought the idea of having a podcast mm-hmm. that Dana presented to you. Yes. And then you finally started one. And mm-hmm. then your life experience was helping people yeah. around the globe. I was worried. I was more concerned about, you know, I, I'm not having enough material. What am I going to say? My voice is boring. I was afraid of all of that. And wow. So let's talk about that because my next question, it was going to be a little bit further down on my Mm -hmm. list. Let's talk about self-talk when it comes to the podcast, when it comes to your music, Mm. because the same thing, a friend of mine came up to me in church Mm -hmm. and said, you know what? You should start a podcast. And I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) well, maybe I've thought about it, but it's always been a fleeting idea. And you've always had the voice, even in college. But like the self-talk, though, I was talking myself out of it. Yeah. So when it comes to either your podcast, which was nominated for an award, what Mm -hmm. award was that? Acapella Music Awards. Okay. So it was nominated for that. It was nominated for that, yeah. And so when it comes to either your podcast or your music, you're arranging once you get the glimmer of a song idea, what is your self-talk like? And if, is it positive or negative? And (laughs) if it's positive, how do you keep it that way? Are you naturally that way? If it's negative, what do you do to jump over that hurdle? That's a really good question. Um, Especially in the beginning, it was all negative. And this is one of the reasons why it took me so long to put the first album out, the If You're Happy album. Uh, initially, it was supposed to come out 2015. Um, and I kept talking it, you know, just, oh, it doesn't sound right. Oh, fix that. Oh, am I the only one who thinks this sounds good? And it, that was another Wow, sidebar. That caused friction in the home. Uh, because my wife's like, look, you said you were going to do this. This is, a, this is an expensive hobby you have here. And um, you said, you know, when we were dating, this is going to help out, you know, with the bills. And right now you haven't, you haven't done that. You haven't recorded anything. You haven't released anything. What are you doing? What's the holdup? And once I finally admitted that I was afraid, that fear was holding me back. But then I also, the Lord made it clear to me that my fear is ruining my marriage. So get to it. And we split, it got done. There's so much in between those lines. Mm -hmm. But um, but let me, if I may share with you uh, one of the, the stories behind Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Uh, That's a song from the first album. That first album has nothing but hymns and spirituals. I did, those arrangements are old. Most of them were done when I was in high school and freshman year in college. Wow. Oh, How He Loves You and Me in particular. That wasn't exactly yesterday. I mean, you know. Yeah, that was 1993. (laughs) Let me be clear. That's how old that song is. And I started on it and I couldn't get past the 
first half of his song. So I went to a good friend of mine, and you know this guy, and I knew him. And um, I went to him, and I said, hey, Gary, Gary Williamson. Oh, wow. And wow. I said, hey, man, will you, I need help with this. He said, you know what? I'm going on a trip, spring break trip, and I'll be back. When I come back, I'll have it done. And, of course, we know that, unfortunately, he never, he, he never returned um, from a fatal car crash. And I wanted nothing to do with it, nothing to do with that song, uh, because it, kept, it reminded me of what I didn't have anymore, what I no longer had. Wow. And when you say no longer had, do you mean no longer had a friend, a, someone a, to a collaborate friend. with? Yeah. or both, all the above, because he was gone. The campus was just, oh, wow. Do you remember what the campus felt like that day? Mm -hmm. I had never felt anything it like was, that before. It was gloomy. And the, it, and the sun was shining. It was a sunny day. It was gloomy in our hearts. And, oh, wow. But you, you, could, you could sense that the, the sense of gloom was there. And I thought, I remember I was in swimming. Um, mm -hmm. And someone pulled me out of the pool. I think Anne-Marie. Yeah. Wow. And she said, did you hear about Gary? And I'm thinking, well, what are you talking about, Gary? Gary, the skating ring Gary, whatever. Yep, the skating ring Gary. I didn't know what she was talking about. And she said, did you hear about his passing? And I'm thinking, passing swimming class. Wow. Passing some class. Praise I'm the thinking. Lord. I'm thinking, he got financially clear. He passed the line. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then she said, no, his, his death. My and I'm thinking, God. what? And she pulled me out of the pool and... I just remember it was everything was just surreal. The yeah. sun was out. It was a nice warm day, mm -hmm. but you could cut the sadness. Yeah, you can cut the sadness with a knife. Oh man, even now, just but you know, that was ninety four, ninety five, I think. Yes, and yeah. ten years later, I'm seen in St. Louis, and I see his brother in the audience, <laughs> and I'm singing, and I see Ernie in the audience, and. I just broke down. I threw the mic in the stand, ran off the stage, and just let it all out. And I realized that was the first time I ever mourned Gary's death. What but year it, was that that you saw Ernie? 2006. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, I want to say May 28th, 2006. More than 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Wow. And after that, I was clear. I... I needed that. I needed I needed that time to mourn and well and I started working on the song and here we have Oh How He Loves You and Me. That took, that was a long story, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. How did your self talk evolve during that time? Or has mm. how has it evolved after that time? Was that was now, you oh, know, go ahead. Well well now with this current album, if we could only talk you know, at first I said, man, I don't know how these people are going to deal with me doing a love album. They're so used to Namdi doing these hymns and spirituals. How are they going to adapt to it? And someone asked me, so you're going secular now? And it dawned on me then. I said, no, there's nothing about my album that's secular. One, because this was divine, divinely inspired. So with this album... None of that. I had no, I had no qualms. Everything was inspired through, it was after a heated debate <laughs> with my wife that one of the songs were written. Um, uh, it's 
Was it one of the ones you sent? Just you me? and I. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. Just you and I. And I said, well, you know what? When it's you and I noticed that we would argue more when we don't spend time with each other. Mm-hmm. And I said, and, and so I, 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 when we're short with each other, it just means, okay, we need a break. We need some, we need to get away. We need to get away. Let's get a babysitter. Let's go somewhere. And then we're back to Heathcliff and Claire again. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of the, some of the songs on the album. Hmm. Um, are all of them inspired by your life experience, life experience of someone else? Yeah. Well, the last song on the album, One More Chance, uh, I wrote that one in two hours. I called up a friend. She, I asked her how she was doing. She said, I'm not doing well. And I said, well, what's the problem? She said she just buried her husband. And I said, oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh, my. And I thought, you know what? I left that conversation and wrote that song, One More Chance. My favorite line is, uh, if I could think about it, remember to live with no regret, to forgive and forget, and never let the sun set without it being said that I love you and I appreciate so much about you. Give one more chance. Share one more kiss. Have one more laugh. Give all, do any and everything just to have one more dance, one more chance, and to love the best that you can. Wow. Because this could be your last chance. And if I could pour the wine, or turn back the hands of time. I was, I remember I, the kids, one of the kids didn't do what I told them to do. I was upset and tired. I said, look! And I was a little bit stern with them. And usually, if I'm ever stern with them, I, you know, there's always a comeback. Like, hey, you know, I love you. I appreciate you. I, there's a hug, there's a kiss, or even a prayer involved with that. And this time I didn't do that. And as I'm leaving the house, going into my office, I heard, to love the best that you can. That wasn't so loving, was it? So I turned back around, and I did that. And so my song... You say did that, you wrote the song? Mm -hmm. Oh, uh uh-huh. And so my, my lyric, God is showing me through my own lyrics... And then if we could only talk, you said um, mm. earlier, you said that one was uh, resulted after after a debate with, uh, yeah, with your wife. Yeah, a disagreement. Disagreement. And yeah. listening to that. Babe, we need to talk. Please just give me a moment. You're still at the office. Oh, we need to talk. I'm too tired to be talking the Tell me what's to discuss I just don't want to bust any 
it's like I felt the pain. It sounds like you were coming from both perspectives, two different perspectives. Yes. Felt the pain of both mm-hmm. parties. One person is exhausted. I, I just, I don't want to talk. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I don't want, just, just go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other perspective is basically the same, but the person was ready at that point to kind of knead through whatever differences. Yeah. And to me, that seems like the cycle of some Every... debates and some relationships. Yeah. You know, from each perspective, each line, hey, I'm too tired, can we talk in the morning? We both said that. So those lines came from both of us. And, you know, it's, it's always, and I, I've heard it in the barbershop, I've heard it at church. You talk to any couple, I'll put it this way. When my wife first heard it, <laughs> I said, so, what do you think? She said, well, I like the music, but the the words kind of sound like us or me. I said, no, that's you and me. That's pretty much every couple you know. And and pretty much everyone who hears it says that. Man, if we could just, I said, if we could only talk. And that, not it, it's not just to couples, but it could be a teacher-student. With my son and I, if I tell him to do something, and he doesn't do it right. I'm not going to just talk about, you know, get upset and just talk down to him. Okay, how can I get him to understand exactly what it is I want him to do? Or why he should do this? If we could only talk, our dreams wouldn't seem so far away. If we could only talk sooner than later, our pain would go away. are awesome but that one I'm thinking this this sounds like yeah I've been in this situation before (laughs) yeah yeah well see that that's good to know well I'm sorry you've been through that but uh, talking it through just makes all the difference in the world I'm learning that uh, just you're saying that's it's nothing that's unique to you it's anyone who is anyone if you have a relationship (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if you have a pulse, you know exactly what I'm going through. It could be, you know, an employee. Yeah. Just talk it through. What if, I saw a post. Kelly Doolin mm-hmm. posted, what if... I'm going to have to tell. I'm going to tag all these people. Oh, man, please. <laughs> she said, what if your boss talked to you the way you talk to your kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, Wow. Hey, 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 get up, do that. You know, what What if another adult talked to you that way? That's horrible. Mm. Where do you find your confidence to move forward without all the mental rigmarole? No, I don't know if anyone 
you know, was gonna gonna like my speaking voice as far as the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever had any struggle about your singing voice, which I think is fabulous, but Thank you. you know, Thank you, th- that doesn't mean that you haven't had your own internal struggles. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, where? Go ahead. Where did you my, get the confidence? One, my wife, she loves my voice, and the day she told me I was one of her favorite singers. She just wanted. She wants something new. Some. She wants me to take her somewhere. She wants a trip. That's all. And she said, "No, I'm serious. I, you're one of my favorite singers. I love watching you sing." And she. I remember one time I had to sing behind this powerhouse, and she blew the roof, the ceiling. Just. And I said, "Wow, I have to come behind that." And I'm always kind of like, when I sing, I beat on my chest. I make weird noises. And who's going to like that? And she said, you know what? You notice when you sing, there's a pause. And then there's an applause. And I said, is that, is that good? She said, no, they're just amazed. And I'm learning to live with that. I'm, you know... Sometimes I think my voice sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> because <laughs> I can't picture you singing no. Easy Being Green. I can't it's <laughs> not Easy Being there's a There's a texture that I have. <laughs> that is hilarious. Mm. And that's going to stay in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kermit the Frog. Okay, did Kermit you come up frog? with that or did somebody? Sometimes we no, come up my with brother, things. one of my brothers used to tell me, you sound like, and this is the one who doesn't sing. Clown. Man. Oh my goodness. Oh man. No. But he, you know, that's how we were in the family. We joked each other all the time. You know um, what? I think sometimes with joking around with siblings and the stuff that they come oh, up with. Oh, it gets. Gets you ready for the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I developed tough skin, thick skin with them. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Woo. Uh, but, my, you know, I, I, I remember, I, I never talked about this. I never bring this up, but I was awarded the Best Male Vocalist of the Year at Oakwood mm-hmm. in 94. That gave me a boost. What was it, 94 or 95? That gave me a boost. And then knowing that I... I mean, people tried to talk me out of doing an acapella album. And, are you sure you want to do that? Maybe if you let me produce you, I would probably put two acapella songs on there. And I said, I don't want to give people 20% of my greatness. I want to give them 100% of the best. I'd I'd rather give them the best, my best. I know I love, this is what I love the most. This is what I do the best. So acapella is what I live and breathe. So it's easy. This is, this is, yeah, edit. Yeah, yeah. Acapella is what I love and do. <laughs> and so why? So why in the world should you not do, do anything that on your else? Album? I mean, I love all kinds of music. I love country. Mm-hmm. I, I I remember winning a um, 
a talent show at Oakwood doing mm -hmm. a, uh, and I wasn't even a part of the program. I was not. I, I went backstage. They were doing an intermission. They were trying to kill time, I think. And I took the mic and put on a cowboy hat and found an old raggedy vest and went on stage. And I ended up winning. So Sometimes wow. surprises, unplanned surprises happen. Mm -hmm. Pleasant surprises. Pleasant surprises. So let's go back to your formative years so you did you were you born and raised in Chicago born and raised in Chicago oh, and goodness. we my my family we had a family group uh, Kenny Armstrong my brother my baby brother Kahari my oldest brother Wade Dana Winston and the the fifth member was always some kind of cousin or friend friend of the family and so that really helped me with my ear training for acapella music, of course, the Breath Life Quartet, Take Six, and those groups. Then every Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was a uh, family reunion, and the family would just gather around and just sing. Mm -hmm. And I've heard from soloists, to duets, to trios, violin players, piano, organ. Then I had this uncle, this cousin, Cousin Norris, and he had this real deep voice like T. Marshall Kelly, Whitley Phipps, and he wasn't afraid of anything, any kind of voice, voicing, light voice, heavy voice, whatever kind of sounds that would come out of his mouth. He was a prankster. So that's where I got that from. And he taught me not to be afraid, just to just appreciate a good laugh. And, oh, and then, of course, high school, Mrs. Jeanette Underwood, the best teacher I ever had, period, hands down. I would not have the, vo the vocal range I have now without her because she forced me. I walked in the class and I said, I'm a, I'm a bass. And she said, we'll see. Go sit down. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and, she, and I remember you walked one, in knowing. Yeah, I'm going to tell so you what I am. She would give me the line here, huh? Uh, and I would always bring it down an octave and just to prove it. So that what, because of that, she would give me a solo. I'm like, I don't want to sing a solo. What if, what if, basses don't sing solos in the choir. So I thought, and that prepared me for Oakwood and Oakwood prepared me for the world. I moved to Nashville shortly after that. And Wow. Life really began then mm -hmm. in Nashville. So before, let's take a pause to go back a little bit before mm -hmm. Nashville, and then we'll circle back to Nashville. Mm -hmm. When, how old were you, or where were you in life when you realized that your voice had something special? Because you can have people who can carry a tune. I can carry a tune, but I don't think my voice is, it, it has that spark. I, I'm, I'm good background. I'm okay. good, I'm good choir right. singer. I was about to say, now you <laughs> I'm choir singer. <laughs> I got you. Your but harmony, you know, that's perfect. Yeah, but, but I don't, I, I mean, I've done solos, but mm -hmm. I, I don't think my voice has that spark that'll make people say, oh my goodness, who is that? Mm. Or something special, something that people would want to listen to or pay to listen to or come to a concert, mm. you know, whether it paid or not, but they would want to spend their time listening to your voice. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a good question. My mother, 
I remember I used to mimic Stevie Wonder, uh, El DeBarge, Chris Willis, Brian McKnight, Mark Kibble, uh, uh, Daryl Coley, this guy from Chicago, Jesse Campbell. And I would mimic those people. I would listen to them. And my mother said, your name is Namdi Bryant. You're not Namdi Wonder. You're not Namdi McKnight. You're not Namdi Kibble. You are Namdi Bryant. I want to hear your voice. And wow, I had to undo all of that. And I, I, she used to make me mad when she'd say that. I said, these are great singers. And let me tell you, so, so I could sound like Mark Kibble or Brian McKnight back then. I didn't have the vocal range, so my voice was always deep. So I'm going to tell you how old I am. The cassette players. <laughs> we would, I would high speed, I would play them at high speed dub, which makes the song that much higher. And if there's a riff or a run that they did, that riff or run was that much faster. And so I used to listen to, to it like that, and I would sing all the high notes and force my way, force myself to sing high. Um, but my my mother instilled in me, you know, you are who you are. People will want to hear you. People will want to pay to see and hear you as quirky as you are. They're going to embrace it. And I, then came Bobby McFerrin. And then came, you know, a... a, a Wonderful example would be Take Six. Take Six came to Chicago May 1986. And I said, they were Alliance then. And I said, um. I have to sing a cappella for a living. And that was, that was the, that was the breaking point then. Wow. And I remember that. Was that before the Doobie Doo Wop Bop album? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the Firecracker album, The Alliance. <laughs> wow. Man. But my mother really pushed me to be who I am and to love my voice. Another, you know, and, and, and another guy. I did an album before with a gentleman by the name of Mark Williams. He wrote and produced uh, the first album I ever did. Uh, it was an acapella praise and worship album called My Voice. And I remember I was afraid. Why? Because I was, because I said, okay, I'm going to do an album, but how am I going to sing this stuff to people? And I'm singing background. He said, no, you bring your background tracks. And just mute the lead and you sing on top of what you've already recorded. But who's going to like it? The people that will. And was that the answer that you wanted to hear? <laughs> no, not at all. And he said, you know, it's kind of like the people who watch PBS, watch PBS. The people who watch, you know, uh, Nat Geo Wild. I love that stuff. You know, I thought no one would appreciate me because I'm quirky. I thought I would never find a wife because a fun day for me is reading maps um, looking at skyscrapers, 
Uh, what else? Well, you grew up L- in a city with one of the tallest ones in the world. Yeah. At least it was when we were younger. Yeah. And the best <laughs> skyline in the world to this day. Right. Fight him on it. I can't say that. I grew oh, up in L.A. Oh, oh. So, you know. What? You can't even see the skyline in L.A. Is... Are you talking about the skyline? Don't forget you. Don't forget you. We're, we're making strides to clean up our small. And part of it is the All those vegans out there. And, huh? <laughs> we're in a basin and the small gets trapped. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But when you can see. The skyline. Right. It looks pretty it, good. It is beautiful. Because you, you have a mountain. I mean, you have the uh, snow-capped mountains. <laughs> if you can see that far. Well, certain parts. You can see the snow-capped mountains and the desert. But Chicago still does it for you, though. <laughs> to look at. Yes. Ah, uh, got you. The skyline. <laughs> so we took a pause and started chit-chatting more about Namdi's journey when I found out something I didn't know in the decades since we last saw each other. There was a point in time where Namdi was homeless. You know, social media often shows our polished selves. For those of us who were good and grown by the time it came about, social doesn't always fill in the blanks. How we've grown from those formative experiences that have honed us into the folks we are today. But here's one thing. Tough times, they come and they go and they come and they go and sometimes they come and go yet again, but they don't always last. Let's take a walk with Namdi through this particular experience. Being homeless in Huntsville is the worst because you know people. Huntsville is small, and so I, you, you. Okay, question. Uh-huh. When you say homeless, do you mean like sleeping in your car, homeless? Oh, I didn't have a car. In a shelter. No. Living in a shelter, homeless. Couch surfing, homeless. Not even couch because I didn't want anyone to know. Wait. So what? So I was in the woods. In. <laughs> I remember I took my I recently took my son to a basketball game he had at UAH and I'm driving him to the game and I see the bleachers and I said whoa I I slept on those bleachers and I told him I said son you know I slept there he said what during the game was the game boring I said no I was homeless he said, are you serious? And I remember being in the same line with the Katrina victims. Because a lot of them migrated from New Orleans to Huntsville. And I remember being in the same line. Mind you, I had just given a concert. When you say the same line, you mean the same line for? For food, for clothes, shelter. And <laughs> I remember, like... Days prior, I was in New Orleans giving a concert, a benefit concert for them. And here I am in the line. And it was a hard, it was a harsh reality because I would be in New York somewhere giving a concert. They treat me like Elvis Presley. I fly back to town and it was the complete opposite. So you you slept on bleachers. Mm-hmm. I had... Um, how long? How long? Oh, in- this lasted a long time. A long time. Like, I'm thinking a week is a long time. No. Are you, do you mean like months? Off and on. Okay. Just, just years. I remember when I lived in Nashville, whew, I would give blood. So I think that was about 25 bucks or so. 
And I would get blood, get a bite to eat, get a haircut, get my clothes dry clean, and go to this city, perform, come back, back to square one. And wow. It was rough. It was rough. It was a... Like how, like how long? I know you said off and Ooh. on, but it was off and on for how so, many years? <laughs> or I'm hoping well, as, months, a, as but... a touring musician at uh-huh. that. Um, okay. So a good three years. A good three years. I remember in Nashville... Oh, wow. In Nashville, I remember I would have maybe about a dollar's worth of quarters. And... I would sneak into an apartment with a laundromat and I would put my coat in the dryer so it can warm up and I would just sleep and pray that no one and pray that no one would come in and kick me out. If not, I would go to a park and sleep inside the sliding board. Yeah, and put my coat over that. You mean like the the sli- the tube yeah, the, for the, the tube. slide? Uh-huh. Yes. And and just wake up before morning, before day. Or I would, I would buy. I went to the, um, wow, I went to the uh, thrift store, and bought a briefcase so I could look like I was a businessman. Did anyone know? Did your family know? Did you no, keep it from everyone? I kept it from. Why? I was ashamed, and mm, I was ashamed. Let's talk about shame for a minute, because mm. I have found personally mm-hmm. that. Some things that I'm ashamed of, folks outside of my mind are thinking, okay, you're human. What? Yes. You're not the first one to make the, a, a, a silly mistake or a horrible mistake, a horrible choice. You're not the first one to not have a home. Not have a home? Are you serious? And, you know, I know you didn't ask this and this is about to shift. <laughs> I, I remember talking to a pastor once. Uh, I was in a concert and I said, if you've ever had a child out of wedlock, I did. And I, I know people who were disfellowshipped because of that. Explain disfellowship, because I think... Uh, Meaning you, you especially the females. Or uh, the mo- church. Yeah, yes. And you get pregnant out of wedlock and they disfellowship you. They kick you out of the church. You no longer... Have that if you had an office, you're no longer in that office. You can no longer sing with the choir, but you you can still attend. They don't. You like, can still attend, but as far as having any roles of influence or anything yeah, like that, and not just that, they make you stand up in the front of the church. They did this to a loved one of mine, a close loved one of mine, and they had him stand up in the front of the church, and they disfellowshipped him. And I think he was maybe twenty. And later on, his 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 baby died mm-hmm. at birth. Wow! I'm surprised that he's still, and I'm grateful that he's now. You know, he's still involved with the uh, with the church, and he hasn't lost his faith in God. Most importantly, mm-hmm. but I remember talking to a pastor saying, "Why is it that you never kick anyone out of the ER for sneezing? Hey, get out of here! You're coughing." No, you're, you're, you're brought to the ER for healing. And everybody in the church, in that building, is sick. So tend to that need. Instead of kicking that young lady out, 
Why don't you find out who the father is, see to it that he has a trade or something, if they're going to get married or not. See to it that they have the means to raise this child. Train up that child. Train up that child (laughs) and create a village around that child, the parents, the soon-to-be parents or the new parents, and cultivate them to greatness. But we do the exact opposite. I'm sorry. That's okay. I had to say that. It's a conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you. People are just people. People are people. People are people. And you'd be surprised, you know, some of the greatest people in the world made the worst decisions. Mm -hmm. And... That didn't involve, you know, killing 20 people in a Walmart. Yeah, oh my. Killing nine people at a bar. I think the bar in Dayton didn't... was it four this weekend? Uh, four? Sh- you mean four mass shootings? Yeah. As far as I know, there were two. There could be some no, that slipped I under the radar. Three. Okay, then one of those slipped under the radar because I just I, w- I was I was done at the first one, and then I yeah. found out about Dayton. I was just I can't. It's I too can't much. imagine getting a phone call, and hence one more chance. You know, mm-hmm. no telling when's your last time you talked to somebody. And your last time, that's why I always say give a hug, give a word of encouragement. You see somebody, especially a homeless person, they know, I'm, they know that they, whatever, got, whatever it was got them there. Um, sometimes it has nothing to do with drugs, a divorce, none of that. Sometimes it's the business, you know, went flop. And they're, you know, they're in this reality. And I remember being there. I remember sleeping in a, in a, uh, in a homeless shelter in Nashville. And so this uh, was in between Nashville and Huntsville. Mm-hmm. This was probably two thousand three. So our conversation turned to a discussion about flaws, which we all have, and perfection, which none of us has. More with Dom D. Bryant on Planet Now. Being an artist, mm-hmm. you, you know, we, we, it's, it's so unfair because everyone expects us to be perfect and ready to shake hands and kiss babies all the time and that's not the case like politicians yeah and that's not the case all the time as happy and go lucky as I am most of the time sometimes I just want to be by myself but I said that to say this there's a pastor uh, that I know and church had ended and he's walking to his car he opens the door and he slams it he opens it again and he slams it again and he, he did it three times so let me, hey, you you all right, pops, uh, pastor? Yeah, no, I'm not all right. I said, well, what's, what seems to be the problem? He said, do you know how hard it is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that treat your family like blank? <laughs> <laughs> Who talk behind your back. He said, do you realize... These are the same people who act a fool in these board meetings. They want me to come and pray for their family. He said. He was keeping that one. He said, I'm tired of this. <laughs> and he 
going in. <laughs> and he felt he knew that he could talk to me, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't judge him. And I said, "Man, this guy has a pulse just like me." And I don't even know if I call that a flaw or not, but <laughs> he's he, just being a person. He's human. Yes. And he said, "Man, he said now what I want to do is go in my trunk." I said, well, no, keep slamming that front door. Keep slamming the front door. Open it. Let me help you. And he got a good laugh out of that, and I prayed with him. <laughs> and and he, he went on home, but I said, man, you know, we, we, wow. It's so unfair how we treat people. Yeah. We, it's so unfair. <laughs> and then expect them to just turn around and make make nice and and keep no. putting up the appearances that everything is okay. Uh, no. I think folks are tired of that. Folks are tired of that. You can't be pretending. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. I had to tell that story. Oh, no. <laughs> that is okay. So, um, so talking about um, perfection. So we talked about the appearance of perfection and mm-hmm. when things are... All kinds of stuff could be going on, especially as we were raised as mm-hmm. uh, SDAs. Things could be perfect, look perfect on the outside, but mm. the minute... The young lady shows up pregnant. They're waiting to kick, you know, kick folks out the church or, you know, huh. or punish them publicly. No thing in life is perfect. No thing in life is perfect. Let's circle that to your music. What would perfect or does perfection look like for you as a musician, a writer, a ranger, mm. or what's the closest to perfection? When it feels good. When it feels real good. And some it, there's several ways to see it or to recognize it. Sometimes it's when it comes back, when it resurfaces, somebody comes back and say, hey, man, this song really got me through a, a specific time. I remember my, my own brother said, man, this episode of yours, that touched me. It, man, I play it all the time. And I said, whoa, that's something to get a, a, a confirmation from him. That meant a lot. What else? Sometimes, you know, trying to be perfect gets in the way it it does it ruins the entire i say i i'd rather someone as far as like singing i'd rather you go for this note that's not in your realm than you sing i if i give if someone comes to me and sings one of my arrangements and it's done the exactly the way i did it i'm bored i'd rather hear I'd be impressed and flattered that, wow, you, you learned my material. But I want to hear your interpretation of it. So throw your accents in there. Let me hear your take on my arrangement. I, I used to be that way. And I, ah, that was before your mom told you, I want to see. Yeah. I want to hear Namdi. I want to hear Namdi. I remember uh, probably 2005, six. I auditioned for a cruise line and <laughs> I walked in there, blew them away. And and I said that because they said that. There were three judges. One judge said, Wow, your voice is amazing. The other one said, Your voice is amazing. It's the best I've heard all day. And it's the best I'll probably hear for the rest of for the remainder of the day. The other one said, 
wow, your voice is perfection. Um, I, 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 I could pay to hear you sing all day. However, I would never pay to watch you sing. And I said, what? He said, so the answer is no. Wow. You know, and he was the his his vote mattered the most. Wow! And he said, "So I pass." And I said, "Well, what?" What he said, "Let me tell you something. You're a great studio singer." And I said, "Okay." And there's a problem. He was like, "Yeah, you're a studio singer. You're not a performer. You want to perform for a cruise line. This is entertainment." I was bored to death watching you. Wow. And I said, what? He said, your runs were flawless. Your voice, I told you, the best I've heard. You can sing any and everybody out of, the, out of the room. But so what? I'd rather have somebody who's an okay singer with passion. But anyway, I tried. I was so focused on being perfect mm-hmm. with my notes that I've ruined this opportunity the gig of a lifetime mm-hmm. especially at that time i was not married so i could sing mm-hmm. be on a boat get to travel the world and uh-uh wow. lost it Or do you have a, a side gig? That's my full-time gig. Um, I, the side gig would be... Well, no, that's full-time. I do singing telegrams. So that's... I get a kick out of that. Is you And that helped me with this album. Um, because most of the time, it's a guy who forgot the birthday, the anniversary, or just screwed up. And... and <laughs> So he's like, hey, man, will you uh, just remember, sing this song to her and say this. And I did just that. The funniest one was I had to sing to a guy and he <laughs> he's, a, he's working in this industrial plant, hard hat, steel toe boots. So I sing this song to him. And I open my eyes, and he's, <laughs> and not just him, but his coworkers. Wow! They were all crying, and I said, "Are you serious?" Now the hardest one was I had to sing to this one brother, cornrows, tattoos, Tim's on, and I said, it's "Okay." And he, she wanted me to sing uh, the boys to men song. I'm down on bending oh. knee. So, and I'm like, she said, please get my man back. I want my man back. I messed up. I said, okay. He, I mean, he was muscular guy. So I'm like, I have to sing some love song to him. Okay, so I closed my eyes. And I, and when I finished, hey, uh, man, that was, that was, that sound nice. Sound nice, man. You got a nice voice. Appreciate it. 
He's just he's wiping his teeth from his eyes. But they got married. They got married. Oh man. Hey, brother had feelings. And then one guy wanted me to sing my girl. Yeah. That's right. People are people. People are people. One guy wanted me to sing my girl in a Bible study. And I was like, What are you sure? He was like, I want to wow her. I said, Okay, all right. Yeah. All right. Those are I love my job. And to me this is what I do best and I it started back in college okay. when it was five dollars. The mm-hmm. craziest one was we had this lady asked me to sing in Coleman, Alabama. Now Coleman is known for, you know, get out of here before sunset sunset time. Mm-hmm. yeah i was about to say wow, and this lady was a cancer survivor of battling cancer mm-hmm. and it was her birthday and so she said i want you to go sing to my mother she works at a bank but can you do me one favor and wear this um uh kar- she wants me to sing kung fu fighting can you wear a karate outfit I said, I'll tell you what, I normally wear a tux. So I wore the karate jacket, my son's karate jacket. I said, I have to go on a bank in Alabama. I'm a big black man. So I said, I'm going to make the best out of it. (laughs) So I walked in the bank. And I spotted her. And I just started singing, Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, ho, ho. And I started, I ran and jumped. I did a running <laughs> Liz, I'm not lying. I did a running jump kick and caught a Charlie horse and scared everybody in that bank. And I know that lady was probably pressing that button under the desk. <laughs> so if you're going to do it, just to have fun, oh you know. And did you complete the song? I completed the song and I got the heck out of there. Got the hell out of that place. <laughs> Shoot, I'm not sticking around. I didn't bother to get gas. No. I black behind him and called me Alabama. Now, on the side, I do Uber and Lyft. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's just another way to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funniest story is I took this one guy, he was wasted, took him about 20 miles out. We get about a mile away from his house. Hey buddy, where are you taking me? I said, this is the address you gave? No, no, this is my ex-wife's house. She got a restraining order against me. Uh-oh. So I had to take him way back across town, made a lot of money off of him. But that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Ubering, you meet Saturday nights are the most... I, I took... This one guy asked me to turn off the app. I said, well, why? He said, man... He had walked over the mountain. And he said, man, I have 45 miles to go. He said, I'll just give you 100 it's all right, that that would have been about maybe a sixty dollar ride. So hey, heck, come on. So he starts talking about his wife, and you know he's done. He's gonna when he gets home, he's gonna divorce her. Cause 
I'm tired of this and, you know, the reason why I'm walking is her fault in the first place and all this. So, man, if you could just talk with her. And the Lord has just given me avenues to minister to, to other people with this album. So, of course, 45-minute drive, I got all the time in the world, so he, I played that album. And by the time we got to the house, he said, you know what, it's, I think, I, I, I love her, man. I just love her, but I can't, I, I don't know what I should do. You know, I, 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 I want, I just love her. I don't want to divorce her. And I said, don't talk with her. You just heard the song. He said, can you email me those songs? This is long before the album came out. Mm-hmm. So I emailed him the songs and. You know, hopefully it worked. Hopefully they can talk it through, and hopefully one day I'll get a call and saying, "Hey, we married." Was that recent? Was that mm-hmm. oh, like how long ago? Maybe um, this was. It was before the album, like probably late May. Mm-hmm. What's the satisfaction like knowing that your program is reaching people, and that your music is helping? folks to kind of rethink decisions that they were going to make or that they were Mm -hmm. like hell bent on making God is showing me through uh, it's hard to say my works that which he's given me I'm seeing his handiwork in it and it's helping me out it's just I always tell people God gives you a spouse and children or an asinine boss, just so he can show you, reveal to you his grace, his patience, his long suffering. Because sometimes he needs to show you, he needs to reveal you through other people. That which you can't stand in that person. Oh, that irks me. Wait a minute, that's especially when that's you have a me. child. <laughs> You're like, okay, that's my trait. Oh my goodness, that's a Bryant all the way. Oh my Lord. <laughs> so to wrap up our talk, I asked Anamdi to answer a few questions. I'm thinking about incorporating similar ones in future episodes of Planet Now. Let me know what you think. Here they are. Complete the following sentences. I know it seems like elementary school, but no, complete the I following sentences. So music is... Life. Life is... Hmm. And not music. <laughs> right. Grand. Challenging. Love is? What the hell about to say loving? Um, love is all you have. All I have to give. Is what I love to give. Hmm. Favorite place or places? I know we're sitting in one right now. Yes, definitely the mansion on O Street. My man cave, which is my studio, and then my wife's arms, and then the kitchen. Yeah, when she's when she has her back turned. <laughs> <laughs> what are you sneaking in the stuff? Yes, I call it the sampling ministry. You know what? Are, are we family? Because my dad says stuff like that too. <laughs> I'm the taste tester. Favorite thing or things? Acapella. 
fried plantains. Amen. Amen. Um, my wife's kisses. Does that matter? Does that, yeah, that's, that that's matters. a noun. That's mm-hmm. a noun and, and a verb. Mm-hmm. Yes. Planet noun. And an idea that has guided you. This is the last one. An idea that has guided you in life. Hmm. From, whoa. Just one? You can do a couple. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whitley Phipps said, people feed pigeons, but they shoot at eagles. So they're not going to understand they're not going to understand your point of view. Pigeons are, you know, ground level. They can't see that vision. What a, they can't see what an eagle sees. I just heard a 90-year-old woman say, and I want to share this with all of you singles out there. It's a lady once said, you know, she was single for, for a long time and everyone was trying to pray for her. that she find her a man and all this stuff? Or, what are you doing that you don't have a man? And so this 90-year-old woman said, it's better to be single than to wish you were. Well, dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I quote my own lyric, to remember to love the best that you can. And that's it. Cool, To cool. love the best that you can. Thanks for listening to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and to do more with what life presents. That was Namdi Bryant, singer, songwriter, musical arranger, lover of acapella. His new project, If We Could Only Talk, is available on various online platforms, including iTunes. Find out more, including the link to his website, as well as links to Namdi's social media platforms. Get that all at planetnoun.com. I'm Liz Anderson, host of the Planet Now podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and other areas. Oh, and please stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. Thanks again for stopping by, and until next time, take care.